Well, hello there, sports fans. Welcome to the show that never starts and never ends. It's Craig and Friends, but you know that, and you'll hear it again in the theme song. But before we get into that, we got to get into patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. There's a lot of stuff available there now and in the future, and there's a whole big back catalog of shows that are exclusive to you, the new Patreon customer, which you'll be after going to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Also, check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Craig and Friends. It's a surprising, shocking name. I know you wouldn't expect it. So go over there now, subscribe, uh, like everything. And of course, on your podcast app, whichever one it is, we're not going to be snooty and pick one over the other. Rate and review. And as always, the five-star review is the most sophisticated review. And of course, you are a sophisticated listener. Okay, on the show this week is Jasmine Rochelle. PR and production wizardess with five senses reeling. Now she's handled country stars, drag queens, this is someone who gets into it, who can do it all. So here's the theme song following that, the show. Make believe is not pretend. We might be but we're on the mend. It never starts, it never ends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Sorry about the uh, momentary uh, lapse there. I had a uh, small technical issue and just had to do a quick restart. That's okay. I was watching people eat hot wings, which might be the greatest TikTok show on the planet. Oh, yeah. I know. No, no, it's, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. And people are like, I, how do I get my clients to sign up for that show? I know because they'd be amazing on it. They, they'd yeah. be so good. I can just see, I can see Katya or, or Trixie like, freaking out i wonder which one of them would uh, have no problem with it i feel like i can't I want, remember i want to watch trixie mattel cry her lashes off her face eating that hot wings would, that'd be good and she's always down to clown because it's like whatever the bit is it's full commitment although i remember with katya uh she wouldn't even try after a while this strange ice cream flavors from salt and straw out of uh, at, uh, uh, out of principle but uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder how much I would have to pay Trixie Mattel to eat hot wings. Well, that's a good question. Even better if you could get Trixie and Lisa, who would never do it, to go together. You never know, though. Be like Lisa. It's very hip. It's very. <laughs> the kids. The kids love it. Everybody twenty-five and under is doing it, Lisa Vanderpump, which means that you have to do it too. Yeah. No, that's the right. Exactly. Like you think Trixie's hot. These are hotter because they're hot wings. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> let me start with a proper intro. Anyone out there who has had your senses reeling? Well, that feeling is brought to you partially and mainly by my uh, guest on this episode. None other than the one, the only Jasmine Rochelle. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi, can you tell I'm the publicist? I'm like, I kind of put makeup on and then threw some merch on and called it a day with my bad lighting. Well, see, that's the perfect combo. It's like, listen, I'm too busy. Like, I, you know, I, I, I got cool stuff on, but that's just like, I'm not even thinking about it because I'm too busy and I got too much cool stuff going on. I got shit to do. I'm going to dress in black and drink coffee at six o'clock at night. and call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what's your coffee intake like? Clearly it's substantial, as is my... Uh, tea intake because I'm there's a, a cup brewing right now. Um, excessive would be the <laughs> excessive. Uh, unhealthy. Good, 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 good. Because yeah. you know what, in show business, if it's not that, it ain't drag, right? 
You know, and then we've got the. Oh, wait. So you, you're double dipping. You're rather <laughs> double fisting. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. And it's the sugar-free one. Uh, the sugary one is too much. I mean, I don't like sugar soda anyway. I, I'm not big on sodas, but the sugary Red Bull, I remember years ago when I drank, try, I was like, that was the hip new drink, vodka Red Bull. And I, I was mean, like, to be fair, the yellow one is the best one, but they were out of it at the at the store today. So I settled for this one. So. What's the yellow one? And do you ever get the limited edition? I don't. I usually only stick to the yellow one, which is tropical. Okay. And it truly tastes like gasoline and it's delicious <laughs> and wonderful. And I can feel myself getting an ulcer every time I drink one. That's like fantastic. I'm taking yeah. years off my lifespan every time I have a yellow Red Bull. And I know it and that's okay because Botox is expensive. So I'll die young and pretty and that's fine. That's a, yeah, exactly. Young, uh, pretty, you got it all sorted out and that's fine. It's about the legend as you know, because you deal with so many skinny legends and otherwise. So how, <laughs> how did you, uh, at least one. <laughs> well, at least one, there's one skinny legend and then some other legends who, uh, their, yeah. their attributes are best left to interpretation, perhaps. Yes. And what got you into that, this aspect of the PR game? Because I know that you've worked, with, you've worked with a host of people, but yeah. Uh, so I was working in country music. I was, so I was a child actor. Um, okay. Wait, wait, we got to pause now. What was, uh, either the first or like, give me, you know, sorry, not the first, uh, cause that's too limiting. Give me a couple of the things that you were a star in. So I did theater. Um, so I did tours with um, Kathy Rigby and a company called Golden State Children's Theater mm. um, and a couple other theaters in California. And we would do like, you know, when you were in like third, fourth grade and you went to like the field trips, the theater field trips. Yeah, I was in all of those matinees. So I was doing like all those types of shows and stuff like that. So I cut my teeth um, in a 1600 seat seat theater grown wow. up started um as a little little teeny tiny thing and did that for about 10 years and then went to college because i decided that i did not want to be a waitress in los angeles or new york really why uh, it's 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 such a like a, a like a easygoing relaxing kind of thing yeah i loved it um and i had really bad stage fright and could never, ever, ever knock the stage right. And just decided that uh, going behind the scenes was much more sort of my style. And I do not miss being on stage at all. I love being behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So graduated college, I got two, not one, but two totally useless degrees in history. It's a way to uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, went into PR. Um, so yeah, I got into country music. I really liked country music, um, but I didn't love the politics. And being a woman behind the scenes in country music is tough. It seems like it's a lot tougher than the other musical forms. For some reason, unfortunately, country holds on to certain traditions that would be best left in the olden days. A little bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I really, I really wanted to make, uh, I made the conscious decision to switch to an industry that told stories that were better aligned with my life and the lives of people that I loved. And I really wanted to tell queer stories and stories of equality. And, and I just, I couldn't handle the racism and the violence and the exclusivity that 
I felt like country music was promoting. So I went from country music to drag queens. Um, <laughs> Interestingly, and, there's a lot of crossover. Pardon me, I didn't mean to step on what you were saying, but I mean, obviously with Trixie and the country music, but I mean, if you look at Dolly, you know, Dolly's been doing drag for forever. And really, I mean, Porter Wagner, I mean, come on. There's a, a sort of an unacknowledged aspect of, if not queerness, just like outrageous flamboyance with the nudie suits, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at Patsy Klein, you look at Dolly Parton, you look at Porter Wagner, you look at Johnny Cash. I mean, you even sort of cross into the sort of country rock genre that Elvis was. You look at Elvis's costumes. There's a lot of of performativity in country music that is incredibly flamboyant, that is not recognized. Um, and it was a natural crossover for me. And the yeah. fact that I get to work with Trixie Mattel, who is such a musical powerhouse and is sort of that crossover felt really natural for me and is mm. really wonderful. And I love that I get to to promote those types of things because um, she's just, I mean, Trixie's wonderful and amazing and so talented with, you know, her music. And so it felt really, really natural to go from country to drag um, and not that big of a change really when it came right. down. And when you when you started working with Trixie, I imagine anyway, that it must have been comforting to see someone who sort of straddled the fence in the same way that you did. So but reflected as a performer. And you're like, yeah, wait a second. I get it. I'm not because, you know, whenever we feel like, oh, we're not alone, which you probably already didn't being in the drag business, uh, it must have been nice to do that. Yeah. But by, by the way, must have been nice. Anytime I say that and I mean it in a different way, I'm like, don't say that. I'm from Massachusetts where typically they're like, oh, you got a house or well, that must be nice or it must have, must be nice. So uh, it immediately <laughs> rings a bell with me like, don't let's redact that. But yeah. So in terms of the country, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the problem with Zoom. Sometimes I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. I was just going to say, I did not take it as a negative. I didn't, I didn't even notice. So. Good, good, good. Well, the negative stuff's coming up later. I tried to save that for the second half of the show, okay. but you'll recognize it. I mean, you're a pro at this. So you'll be like, that's, he's being mean. Um, <laughs> by the way, in country stuff, the recent Jason Aldean thing, I saw a TikTok. I hadn't read the news a lot in the last couple of weeks. Cause you know, you gotta, uh, if I don't know if you're, as they say on Vanderpump, dip out for a little bit. So that I opened it up and I'm like, okay, the world's almost on fire, literally. And I saw a TikTok that someone was making fun of Jason Aldean doing a heavy, a Southern guy doing it. And I was like, wait, what? What? Wait, what? Yeah. So, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Besides the <laughs> obvious, you don't like it. I mean, it'd be great if you shocked us, be like, yeah, I'm way into that. Yeah. yeah. Violence and gun, you know, gun is <laughs> I don't like that scene. Um, no, uh, Jason and Brittany are, uh, the, uh, they're a little problematic. Um, what kills me is Jason's not from a small town anyway. Oh my God. Uh, so this whole like small town sensibility that he's talking about is kind of shocking to me because buddy, you're not from a small town, number one. So stop it. Um, Jason was in a mass shooting. So I am shocked and a appalled that he would go there um and he wants to say oh it's not racist oh it's not this oh it's not that um jason come on bud i mean that's like kid rock saying shooting those bud light cans wasn't transphobic <laughs> yeah like really? well, then what it was it like so you want to make a statement but you're chicken shit to the degree that you're not going to own 
what that is because you believe in it so strongly you're going to just pretend you didn't do it i know it's still a dog whistle but like you want to make a statement like fucking own up to it yeah yeah well and that's the kind of that's that's part of the reason why i left country music because it is it is this sort of problematic ideology that is hidden and they don't come out and and say it outright and they want to talk about these traditional values and it's hatred cloaked in traditional values. And uh, it came down to really a moral decision of, I can't stand for that and I can't promote that and I don't want to. It's a strange and thing, right? Like to be, you can be in an industry and it's a, I think it's a combination, my guess is anyway, that you're, it's like part of you doesn't want to see certain things because you're like, well, look, look, I love country music. So there's a lot of people that are like me and and also it's exciting because you love country music. So you're doing the thing you love, at least your part of it, until you're like, wait a second, hold on. Like, how many times am I going to see this happen before the penny drops? And then I'm part of it because in PR, in country also, <clears throat> for folks who don't really, <clears throat> excuse me, for folks, for, for pokes, for pokes who don't know, for folks who don't know, yeah, I mean, pokes who don't know, I'm trying to get into the like, you know, hee-haw kind of thing. Uh, I love country music, older country music, and I also I got to mention to you Cocaine and Rhinestones, which I, I'm sure you may have heard. Love that podcast. Yes, it, it is outrageously good, and I'm trying to I'm trying to tell my dad who's still like, but a podcast. I'm like, yes, dad, I do one. You know what I'm talking about? So, uh, <laughs> you know that thing I've been doing for a while. That's yeah. that. <laughs> I'm just gonna when I visit them again, I'm just gonna put on the George Jones one or like one of them. Which, the Winona one is so. I've listened to the oh Winona one more times than I could admit, and like I know every word, and I'm like, "Why are you listening to this again? Like you could recite it, but it's so good. It's, it's incredible. So good. And you know, yeah. that's a great one for people who are listening who are not familiar to start with, because the George Jones saga is it's a it's a season long saga, but the guy is able to sustain. Yeah. With also these intros that at first you're like, because I listened to, I was listening to a crummy movie show because I'll, I'll check out any movie show. I'm like, hey, let, they're talking about a movie. I like them. And some of them are, you're like, oh, they're just like, remember that scene? And you're like, oh my God. So, or they, or, or they quote facts vehemently that are totally wrong. And I'm like, I can't. But the guy said, oh, you know, I heard this uh, something, blah, blah, blah on cocaine and rhinestones. And I was like, that, that's one of the best titles I've ever heard. What is that? And, um. And then I opened up the latest episode was it was something about like George Jones, like one step left in hell. And I was like, oh, and then it was all about his cocaine era. Folks listening again, not familiar with country. I know I diverged a little bit, but you're probably used to that. Um, country music is filled with people with drug habits that far surpass any rock drug habit or drag queen drug habit. Uh Yet there, it's it's kind of like how Fleetwood Mac did so much coke, but their music was the most mellow. It's this strange uh, paradox, and and the PR part of it, it plays in some. I don't know if there's another industry now. Maybe pop does, but I've been so fascinated by the sculpted image of country artists, and you you've been on the inside. So I mean, I yes, and I can I I will tell this with no names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe afterwards you just be like, here are the initials. Yeah, I'll, I'll call you after we talk about it. I was filming, so I produced the Trixie and Katia live stream that was just available to everybody. And it was, it, to date, one of my favorite projects. It was mm. so much fun. Um, I was relatively new to the company when I started filming. I, uh, I started in like October 
And the live stream, we filmed the last two dates. We filmed all of our behind the scenes stuff the last two days of the tour with Trixie mm-hmm. and Katya. And that's actually when I met the girls. So I walked in last two days of their tour and I'm like, by the way, hi, so nice to meet you. I have all this extra stuff for you to film. <laughs> I'm not your favorite person right now. So sorry. I know they it's the like, last two dates and you may be fried and probably just want to get the hell home. So listen, there's more, there's more things. Yeah. So I'm going to stick a camera in your face. I know you're (laughs) sweating your ass off. I'm so sorry. They were lovely. They were wonderful sports. I was, it was great. So much kinder than I, anybody should have been given the circumstances. (laughs) Um, But the second day, so we were in Durham. It was literally the finale of the tour. I drove. So we were in Charlotte the night before. We all stayed the night, drove back. I am literally, I get a call in the middle of the night from one of my leftover country clients. Mm. They're going to rehab for drugs. So what you do when you are a PR person and one of your clients is doing this, you know, you've got to get all the NDAs to the hospital. So you're, you're signing a million and one NDAs and, and pitching this to the press in a way that like, oh, it's, you know, typically it's vocal rest if you're canceling a tour or something like (laughs) that. So I am trying to film the last day of Trixie and Katia while simultaneously putting one of my clients in rehab, signing a million and one NDAs. I'm new to the company. Both my bosses are on the ground. So I'm like an hour late <laughs> filming. And I walk in and I'm like, our, our tour manager, because I left my, I thought that I had left my badge at home. And the tour manager, I'm like, I left my badge at home. Can I have an, another all access badge? And he's like, what the fuck? And he was kidding. And I was like, look, I just put a client in rehab. Don't fuck with me. Just give me another all access badge. <laughs> And he's like, whoa, okay, all right. <laughs> so by the time I walk in the building, both of the owners are like, are you good? Are you okay? Are you, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, so word has gotten around. I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. But it was literally like the drag queens on time, ready to go, ready to work, you know, doing this, that, the next thing. Yeah. A country client is the one that I was late for the drag queens for because I'm putting her ass in rehab from 200 miles, 500 miles away because she's a national. So it truly is like the drug abuse that happens in country music is insanity. And it starts young and it starts hard. And it's always like, it's like have a glass of wine and cocaine. And that's like (laughs) how it starts. And there's like no in between. (laughs) Right. And I love that it's wine too. Like it's not like Waylon Jennings time where it was like whiskey and cocaine. It's wine and cocaine, which is oddly like an early 80s LA trope, right? It's such a strange thing. And it's not that country is behind, but I'll say like, for instance, country music was the last, uh, well, (laughs) I guess it is based on what we know. Yeah, I I, sometimes I'm too kind. So certain things are stuck in the past, uh, but yet, uh, and things like that, like that's from like 1983 in Beverly Hills. Now, country music was also the last genre to sell eight track tapes because, yeah, because a lot of the, 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 uh, um, buyers, a lot of the listeners still would buy them at like truck stops. And this is not demeaning or anything. It's just a, a sociological fact. Um, and because now country is, has crossed over to such a degree and yeah. partially, like, unfortunately, and I don't know if they were former clients, so you can go blank on this if you want, but unfortunately, things like Big and Rich, which are really like a cross between Winger and like Limp mm-hmm. Biscuit. So I'm like, uh, my theory is like all the hair metal That's the fans. That's most accurate description <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Unfortunate, <laughs> but accurate. <laughs> it is a shame, right? I hate to call it out because it's there. I, 
I got to be, not know them. I got to be uh, acquainted with their work through that show, Gone Country on VH1. Oh, yeah. That's also where C. Thomas Howell rebranded himself. Or no, that was a different show. Maybe it was that one. I don't know. C. Thomas Howell became Tommy Howell. I'm Tommy Howell, and I love the South, and I love being Southern. And I was like, what the fuck happened to Pony Boy? Uh <laughs> It's not as bad as when Willie Ames decided he was going to remake himself looking like Sammy Hagar. I, I don't know what uh, happened. Yeah, that was a choice. That was a straight, that was, that was a choice. It was bizarre. Uh, it was a bold, boy, bold choice, which we could almost respect for the bold choice, but I don't know. On Gun Country, it was season one. So Marsha Brady, I, I can't remember her name and I feel terrible about that, but Bobby Brown and Marsha Brady, who had an instant kinship for obvious reasons, unfortunately, um, similar to what you were, t- George Jones would have probably gotten along with them too. But to the level that you were talking about, so uh, people might be imagining, oh, how could it be worse than like, I don't know, Alice Cooper, uh, you know, his drinking every day. And then, by the way, speaking of PR, they kept his freebasing secret for years. They just go, no, 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 it was just booze. He just got that sick off booze. And I remember seeing him on Tom Snyder going, no, 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 that, that can't be booze. That's not makeup. He's, you know. So have you ever had, I'm, I'm sure, I bet... You've had that too, where someone is copping to one thing because it's right. And, but there's really something else going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was one where it was methamphetamine hidden behind booze. It wasn't an artist. It was somebody else, but yeah, I mean that, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, unfortunately all the time and it usually doesn't end well, but, and that was another (laughs) thing was, you know, I, um, there was a lot of death that happened in the industry and there were three sort of really big pivotal life changing deaths that sort of happened in a row. And I was kind of like, I don't want to live through this much death. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Um, and I've always worked with a lot of people who have made the decision to get sober. Mm. And there was one point sort of towards the end of my tenure in country music where most of my clients were sober and we were kind of running a sober management company and it was great, but there were some people who weren't and it wasn't a qualification that we had. You know, you, we, you didn't have to take a pledge of sobriety to work with us, but we did have a lot of sober clients. Um, but my business partner at the time had, uh, I, she called me in the middle of the night at like three o'clock. I had woken, I, I wakened to text messages of her injuries because she had flipped her suburban. Oh my God. Because she, at 105 pounds, had taken nine shots of whiskey at a client wow. show. And in what, sorry, I stepped on with the last thing. He said, at nine shots of whiskey and? At a client show. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and thought she could get behind the wheel of a suburban. I mean, this girl's 5'1. <laughs> She's doing so well. She's getting married, pregnant, living a, a lovely, wonderful life now. Um, still one of my best friends, but you know, it, that it was, it's that kind of life. Um, so after that, and then the death of another very close friend, and then, you know, the death of, of a a friend's client who I'd been close to, it was like, I can't, I don't want to live waking up every day, wondering which client or friend is not going to wake up. And that country music is harder than rock and roll. If you think of the country musicians and roadies, in country versus rock Mm. rock has outlived a lot of country musicians and a lot of country roadies yeah because roadies are also if the artist is real bad 
Roadies are worse, no matter what the level is. <laughs> so, yeah. for instance, you, you showed up at, at the Trixie and Conscious thing. It's the end of the tour. But, like, you know, the road manager or whatever, they're like, hey, this is what we're doing. Everything's cool. I've worked on a couple tours with, like, a major act as the headliner. I was working with the opener. And everything is, like, smooth. And they treat you like family. You know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, yeah, you're probably nervous. So, come on, have a seat with but the roadies, you're like, oh my God, like I bet my guess is, and from some things I've read, but not personal experience, like trucker speed, basically. <laughs> yeah. And rock and roll is like, calm that down pretty much. Cause in this early seventies, it would be like Bowie's diamond dogs tour. They'd, they were like, okay, one day we'd be on health food. And then every other day would be like amphetamines, cocaine and booze because they had to get the stage to the, you know, it was like the first theatrical rock tour and stuff. And it, it, and it makes sense because like any kitchen uh, restaurant workers, they're like, well, I got to do a 12 hour shift. And then, you know, it's like a, it's it's part of the uh, what do you call it? The capitalist oppression. But <laughs> yeah, I was in Vegas with um, somebody who was doing a residency out there and it was it, it was two artists and I was with the roadie crew and I was there for three days before I they we'd all gone out to dinner. We were dark. It was, you know, we were Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And it was Thursday. And I'd been there since Monday. Now, keep in mind, I was decades younger than the roadies at this point. I was in my mid-20s at this time. It was Thursday. I'd only been there three days. I'd only been there three days, Craig. <laughs> Let that sink in, Craig. I'm so exhausted. We go out to dinner. I... And don't keep in mind, I'd been touring since I was eight years old. It's not like I right. was straight this Right. <laughs> and theater kids are now like, you know, they're advanced in, you know, many ways. Yeah. <laughs> we go out to dinner. I lie to them and like, I'm just going to go to my room and take a shower and I'll come back up to the hospitality suite. I try to sneak into bed and go to sleep. And one of the band members and a few of the roadies come into my room and think that it's going to be funny to do a rendition of one of their well-known songs. I turned into Medusa. Like <laughs> I am standing in the middle of my room screaming to just like get them. because I was so exhausted. Yeah. Because it was like party, party, party. It was literally like club, bus, club, club, another bus. <laughs> it was like the country music version. So it was like boot scootin', boogie, beer, like crazy. And I don't do drugs yeah. because um, I just don't because my mother was a drug addict. And I'm like, that seems dangerous. <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff up close. It doesn't seem to be uh, evidence that maybe it's worth pursuing. So... I'm like, you've seen it. Biological, you know, built-in affinity. Maybe don't experiment. <laughs> might not be your friend. Someone should have uh, told Hank Williams Jr. that. But anyway... Right. You got to learn a lesson or two. So I have never been like, maybe just once because, you know, you learned. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have the stimulants that the rest of the band and the crew had. The enthusiasm, if you will. <laughs> I was there for two weeks and day three, I was like, I'm going to fucking die. Day three of two weeks. Music. I got to get out of country music. I can't do this. <laughs> What was day seven and nine like after that? Because uh, I also got a picture of something great, something but a necessary thing. Where if you're in PR, you know you're 
you have a certain um, affect, which is genuine. You know, you you're excited to facilitate and yeah. help things along, and also just um, aid in whatever way you can. But there's certain moments, just like a manager has to do, like an Irving Azoff or whatever, who the Eagles said, "Well, he's Satan, but he's our Satan." Uh, that you <laughs> that you have to be like motherfuckers get out like y- y- you have to at some point like freak them out not like the thing where people say oh the first day on a movie set fire somebody but when it's appropriate you got to be like Wah! yeah i yeah i remember um lying on the floor in the middle of the stage and sound check being like it's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then the artist walking in and being like, okay. And standing up and being like, this is what the fuck you're going to do. And this is how many interviews you have. And I don't fucking want to hear it. And I've had to do that a few times. And I've had to do that a few times in this job. And my current bosses laugh at me and think that I'm very scary. And I will occasionally get text messages from my current bosses. Like I got one while I was in Los Angeles that said, Wow, you really went for the jugular, didn't you? <laughs> and they'll know. And, you know, it's just, I, there's a time where you get to be excited and a time that you have to be kind of scary. And, you know, it's it's the same way with producing because I, you know, I do PR and produce. And it's a, well, it's yeah. a delicate balance. Well, no, it is. And it has to happen at some point. Just like, you know, I, the, those, that infamous tape of Christian Bale. And I happened to hear from a friend who worked on many sets with that cinematographer they were like, no, no, that actually, it's unfortunate that that tape got out about him, of Christian Bale, because mm-hmm. they don't know of any other times that happened. And that cinematographer is constantly doing stuff like that. And all the electricians don't like him, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, yeah, every once in a while, you got to just freak out. Not that you want to, but it's yeah. it got, you got to crack the whip sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then basically it's like DJing a wedding which I've a friend's wedding, which I've done. They'll be like, "Oh, don't play this. Don't play We Are Family, but pay, play this Built to Spill track." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I can play in We Are Family. There's just you know, there's no, and you don't yeah. tell them. But all that matters is at the end of the day, in your case, the show happens, everything works smooth, and then they're happy. It doesn't matter what happened beforehand. Exactly, exactly. You're like coach. You're like yeah." I wondered how long it was going to take. I almost got on today and was like, sup coach. coach." (laughs) I know. I know. But you know, I I was like, I want to do that. But then I was like, wow, the country music thing. Golly. Uh, And it's funny how those phrases just pop out now. Uh, Not that I had a secret history in country music, but my dad and my mom and my dad were huge fans uh, of that. So all the Willie, all the Merle Haggard. But yeah, coach Jasmine and I were talking yesterday and our uh, shared affinity for Coach was brought out in this very special way, in, in a sort of unexpected way, as many good things from the universe are. Would you like to share with the listeners how that uh, came about? Well, you would think uh, with a background in PR, I would be better with names. So I will start with <laughs> apology. I was so sorry. I was on the phone speaking with somebody whose last name is, in fact, Nelson, and writing an email introducing you, my dearest darling craig mcneil oh thank you i introduced craig multiple times multiple times not just once multiple times as craig nelson i'm only disappointed i did not add the t (laughs) 
<laughs> I think they thought maybe it was implied and maybe after coach, you know, taking some different uh, career trajectories. And who knows, that might help me. They might have been like, oh, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get together with him. And I must say, my dearest darling, uh, Jasmine, it provided me with tremendous amusement and, and led to terrific content here and also in our communication. So, you know, these things happen for a reason. And uh, so bad. <laughs> no, I and I I, I wanted so to make <laughs> I almost didn't want to write because I was like I know it was probably that, but this is too funny to not point. <laughs> it really so gave me a I, kick. So I'm producing this project right now. It's huge, and I have this amazing, wonderful team of women, and I have this co-producer who I love and adore. She's un- like, she's one of the most phenomenal women on the planet. She's so well-spoken. She's a badass. Yeah. She's one of the lights of my life. She's an amazing human being. So we were on the phone the other day and she was the same thing happened to her. She was having a text conversation with our archivist and talking to me. And she said the words, I know it's a fucking tunic to me and typed it out loud to our archivist. <laughs> And so I called her immediately and I was like, (laughs) 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 so we are, you know, I was, I was having a moment the other day because it's, we're just, neither one of us can speak English apparently. Well, you know what? It's a hallmark. Like uh, it's a sign of your, your, uh, firing all cylinders. No, no, I'm not, uh, being facetious, but you're like going at three things at once and something's going to slide over. Listen, I almost had something way worse. Apple now on the iPhone, you know, you copy photos. You can just copy it and paste it into a, a text thread. I don't yeah. like. I don't like I changes. Like, oh, go ahead. Sorry, what? I cannot figure that out. That is way too advanced for me. Well, I only figured it out because I almost sent like the worst picture I could have sent to my mother, and I was like, you know, when you're so freaked out, oh. you almost want to break the phone in half and throw yeah. it away, uh, yes. like. I just, I, I was like, delete, delete. And I was like, what? I don't press the wrong button. Like the worst photo. And uh, yeah. Okay, were you were you sexting your wife? Yes. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it was a very, very, very skillfully uh, shot photo of this my member. This is why you don't text. This well, is why you don't text. Well, my, you know, Ada's. Grandma uh, well, says, don't it, do it, that. <laughs> I'm on meds, so you think it would be, but and it it might have been her or it might have been, yeah, actually, because well, we're Polly, so it, it, I think it was her, but she'd seen that one before. Anyway, I, that's I guess that's a, a, a surplus to requirements, though it's fun. Uh, now I'm like, who was I sending that to? And <laughs> but um, and not it wasn't the butt. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, that was what I meant to do. I was copying and pasting like something very benevolent. And like, it was like, it was a podcast featuring a singer that like maybe Bonnie Raid on Mark Marin or something like that. And I was like, okay, don't, don't copy and paste anything anymore. To, like, I was just like, that is, oh. yeah. Well, okay, oh, you know what, you know what it was? Over for you. What's that? The days of copy and paste are over for you, Craig. And it was at well over because I didn't even want to start them. It was an accident because I thought I had highlighted text. I had never copied a photo and pasted. I do this thing where I open up the person's thread. Usually it's Ada, right? And um, and then from there do attach photo because you really you could st- I still right. panic that I screw up, but 
Um, so are you a sexter? Because in the pandemic, things changed, even if you weren't before. No, no sexting and no nudes. No. You know, in PR, that makes sense because you have, so because in PR, you, you have your own reputation. It's an interesting thing. So you're managing uh, the image, if not reputation, right? But they go hand in hand of others, but it's also uh, incumbent upon you to maintain a certain thing as well, right? It's or is not, it? I, I just need to, I have to be as benign as possible. And I, I like to, I don't want to have a brand. I don't want to have a brand. I want to... I love being behind the scenes. Now there are PR people who have their own brands, especially in like New York and things like that. Like mm-hmm. one of my girlfriends, Sydney, absolutely love her. She's amazing. She does a ton in fashion. She really kind of is a PR person who has a brand. Mm. I love being behind the scenes. I love being a producer whose name is not known. I love being a PR person whose name is not known. Um, yeah, no, no sexting, no nudes, no. Yeah. What about relationships? Are uh, so are are you married? Are you dating? Are you married and dating? I don't have time for any of that shit. <laughs> I that... live in the south. Who am I going to date? Bubba John and Joe? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I don't know Bubba John or Joe, so I can't pass judgment on them. But I would rec- I, I would suggest that, especially Bubba. It seems like Bubba's no. way too, way too much of a left field choice actually sorry a right field choice um if like yeah (laughs) no i so i i did i was dating i dated somebody uh short term at the beginning of this year and it was that typical sort of like you hauling um she told me within like three weeks i'm in love with you you're the love of my life and i was like yeah i don't know your middle name or you you gotta slow down yeah and it was like no yeah, and so I, I uh, the, because the audio cut up for a second, you said she. I was going to ask you about that when you said people more aligned with your uh, values and everything. So, are you queer yourself? Yes. Yeah. So, I, if I hadn't misheard that, I, I probably would have taken that as known. Uh, I, yeah, and um, so, w- and when did you realize that you were? And also, you've grew grew up in the South, right? Uh, I grew up with Southern family, but I grew up in Southern California. Oh, part. okay. So I got mixed up because all the South, all the Southerns. Well, yeah, but I grew up in a tremendously Southern family. The sun is coming through this window now. Um, It's working for you, though. It's working for you. It's like a nice uh, accent on the side. Um, I grew up with tremendously Southern values with a very Southern family. Um, Yeah, so it was kind of, I grew up uh, saying like and y'all in the same sentence, and it was a very confusing upbringing. (laughs) Was it, was it, so I'm guessing it was very religious? Yes, incredibly religious. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, go ahead. You go ahead. You have Uh, questions. (laughs) Uh, First off, wait, what's the logo on the mug there? I can't quite divine. Uh, It says ringmaster of the shit show. That's per. Was that custom made? Because uh, that sounds about right. This is a Taylor Lynn mug. Who Taylor Lynn is Loretta Lynn's granddaughter. She's oh, wow. a wonderful, fantastic human being. The Lynn family. I used to work for Taylor Lynn, um, one of my favorite people I've ever worked for in country music. That reminds me. On your Instagram, I saw a photo involving hats. It was like a four-panel thing, and it was uh, a, a dedication to someone. And then I thought, I was like, is that Loretta Lynn? 
And I might be mistaken. It was uh, a, a performer like Winona or Loretta Lynn or something. But it was a while since I saw it. So I could be completely off It would off have been phase. Loretta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's cool. And what was uh, around what age? Oh, yeah. What, what age did you realize uh, you were queer? And what was it like to be, if not, obviously, Southern California, very good place to be <laughs> queer. But not the, my family. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was so please describe to me the milieu of uh, the time when you work was working that out. Uh, so it's actually really funny because I was watching Coach because I've been <laughs> and was it that pep talk that wasn't a pep talk because you didn't need a pep talk? No, I was watching um, Christine clips because I remember. So I when I was little, I've never really been young. I was always like an old soul. Um, my favorite show growing up was Designing Women. Oh my God. Amazing. Meshach Taylor, amongst all the other women that everyone knows their names. So I'd like to shout out Meshach Taylor. Meshach Taylor, Delta Burke, Annie Potts, Jean Smart, and Dixie Carter. Yes. Um, like uh, Julia Sugarbaker. I wanted to. <laughs> Julia Sugarbaker. I had the night the lights went out in Georgia <laughs> monologue memorized when I was like nine. Amazing. At the Golden Girls coach. So I remember coach's girlfriend, Christine. It was always like I wanted to like be these women. And then I grew up and was like, you didn't want to be them. <laughs> no, no, it was something. Yeah. You just a thing for older women. <laughs> um, and so I think I kind of like always knew. I remember being very little, like very, very, very young and knowing like something was wrong with me. Um, nothing was wrong with me. I was just queer in a very Christian family. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've never, I've never come out. I've never had this big like coming out. I've dated men, I've dated women, I've dated trans people, um, I've dated women who are now trans men, I've dated trans women, um, and I am very private about my dating life, partly because I am in PR, yeah. um, partly because I've dated famous people, this, that, the next thing. I, uh, I think that relationships are very private things. I don't feel the need, like you will never see a relationship. If you scroll through my Instagram, you will not see my relationship history. The closest no. thing to it was like, it was great working with you. You're an inspiration. That That's like the closest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't love having social media. I have it because I'm in PR. If I didn't work in PR, you would not be able to find me on the internet at all, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, is hilarious that I, I work <laughs> in an industry where I'm like, it is my entire job to give people a public profile. Um, but like, I don't, I've never felt the need to have a label. I've never felt the need to have this big coming out. I'm like, when somebody is in my life long enough that I feel the need to introduce them to my family, I'll take them home and introduce them to my family. Um, I understand the need for labels. I understand the need for coming out. I understand the need for representation. I am a part of this community. I work for a queer company and do PR for queer artists because I understand the need for representation. Mm. I get it. Yeah. Um, I left an industry because I felt like it was exclusive and exclusionary. I get it. Um, but for me, I I had to come to terms with a family that was incredibly against it. 
I remember being on the phone with my first girlfriend when I was a teenager and my sisters threatening to beat the shit out of me. Wow. And I recently found out that one of my sisters was having an extramarital affair with a woman. And I was like, oh, oh, I get the, I get the violence now. Yeah. Yes. I get the anger. I get the discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I live 3000 miles away from my biological family. I speak to one person in my biological family who happens to be the nephew I helped raise who I am financially responsible for it, you know? So I've done, I've done a lot of, um, healing and growing and, you know, chosen family really is a thing in my life. My, my parents are adopted parents kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like the person is the person and it doesn't Mm. really matter what their shell is. It's what they, I don't care about their age. I don't care about their gender expression. And I don't care about what label that makes me. I'm with you on that. Totally. And for me personally, and it might be related to my age, I'm 47. And I like the term queer. Obviously, pan is cool. And it means, you know, the same thing, essentially. And some people get confused with queer because they just, you know, whatever their understanding of it is. So I'll be my favorite clarifier is sexually omnivorous, because that clears it all up. Uh, and brilliant. <laughs> thank you very much. Please feel free to borrow that. And, you know, t- t- put it in your wallet. It's yours. Uh, it, yeah. And I came to that realization later in life and uh, and uh, then sort of uh, coming out on the Ms. Cracker episode, because, like you know, like I feel and I've mentioned this before, but I don't know. People say that on their shows and it's like, yeah, we know it's OK. It's you. So I don't know why I do that. <laughs> as soon as I say it, I'm like, yeah, that's OK. You say things like everyone does in their life, maybe more than once. So uh, the, 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 it, with, with Cracker, I think they were asking something specific. And I was like, well, I'm not going to lie. And also, if I am asking people intimate questions, I wouldn't say invasive, but um, personal, very personal questions, then I, by rights, it's, it would be immoral to not you know, make with the honesty myself. Yeah. And also I'm happy about it. Like I'm happy to share because also, so two, two things that come to mind, my own journey, uh, which journey is one of those words that you goof on when people use it. And then suddenly you're the one using it. Uh (laughs) Live, laugh, love is still, still, uh, referred to sarcastically, but who knows, maybe one day I'll be like, Hey, just live, laugh, love. My mother has it in my adopted mother, who is one of my favorite people. I love her. I love her. I mean, I chose her. She chose me, literally, as adults. She has it on pillows and in the kitchen. And I'm like, Mom, you have blue hair. You're a doctor. <laughs> Mom, if you're watching this podcast. Well, it sounds I like. Women and I hate your pillows, but I love you. Sounds like because this is such a lovely situation that she very well might because she's super supportive. And what I was going to say, the two things that come to mind is sharing my story. And I know I diverted myself and I was really happy for what you just said, too. Um, I uh, sharing my journey, living, laughing, loving with everyone. Uh, It it, it, to me, it's like, well, whatever your story is, is going to resonate with someone, whatever it is. And if I had heard something or when I have heard something from someone that 
it was vulnerable or whatever. It's like, oh, it's so helpful. It's more helpful than someone saying, you know, don't be this or don't worry about if they talk a story that or like a film that resonates with you. But so I was I, and I'm curious, uh, well, rather, I wanted to say that your uh, the story, but the fact that you don't talk to more than one of your relatives and the relative that you are in communication with is one that you are nurturing. Some people go, yeah. oh, isn't that a shame? Isn't that a, it's not a shame. It's not a fucking shame. It's what's good for your well-being, mental health, and also there must there's some reason, and, and you obviously don't have to share or whatever. But the the subtext of that that you're looking after your nephew means that there was something that didn't work out what in whatever way in that aspect of the family, and you're like, I'm taking care of you. So like, really, it's super inspiring, and it shows not just the. Chosen family is a is a, a not a word. <laughs> Thankfully, it's two it's two words, so I don't want to confuse anyone. Like, like it's a phrase. <laughs> oh God, you're right. Can we do? Can we take this from the top? I got to Yeah, that's. Do you just you know, hang up and start again? Yeah, yeah. No, I think. Coach. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, it's just like coach, and just like you, you know, from PR, it's like, well, I, we got to start this again. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, this you. this might be one of the ones where you're like, hey, listen, I'm not fucking around here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a busy person. I got a coffee and a Red Bull. Now let's go. Um, I'm going to bring my co-producer in. I know it's a fucking tunic. Let's go. <laughs> Are you copying and pasting? Okay, listen, listen, sit down. Okay, we got to have an intervention here. This is, you're out of control. You're you're wilding out and not in a good way. I just so, want you to know that she's going to listen to this and that I'm going to die. So this is going to be, <laughs> she's gonna be like, you said, I know it's a fucking tunic twice, twice, two times. Three Two times. times. Three times. It was a callback. Callback that you and then emphasized, just in case anyone didn't catch it the first time, and then made it a thing that uh, burned into their skull. Yeah. Like, thank you. Thank you. I used to like you. <laughs> well, now, now it's it's nice to have some internecine drama in the office, right? So, because uh, who doesn't like that? Because uh, there's not enough in your regular business. Oh, with... We'll get her on the podcast next because she really likes attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's good about that? I think you just made her feel a lot better by saying what you just said. It, she might have been upset before. This was like, it soothes her nerves, assuages her fears. And she's like, oh, Jasmine loves me. So yeah, I'm going to make her an Instagram and give her an online profile because that's exactly <laughs> what she wants. Yeah, it's going to be great. That's perfect. So I get exactly what it is. She'd like to do maybe a live stream on Twitch at the same time that we're doing this. When I go missing after this podcast, she's buried me in the high desert in California. Just okay. so you know. Now, I know maybe she wouldn't want her name included. So you just, as soon as we hit stop, email me, or maybe before we stop, because she would have to be on camera in order to grab you by, you know, whatever she's going to do. Whatever. I'll send you the most recent headshot. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. No, I mean, I have your email, but I mean, just like the, the emergency contact uh, stuff like that, like your yeah. phone so I can try. Oh, I have your phone number. Never mind. You don't have to send me anything. So when she grabs you and, you know, does all that stuff, I'll have gotten to some authority i'm not sure i'll just uh, do like share so you know i'll just do like find that's it my that's it see that's, but as i outlined before i'm clearly not up to date or or conversant with certain aspects of the iphone uh, unfortunately almost to my very serious detriment um i'm just gonna copy paste my location <laughs> that'll be good see i can read i can read that I, I know i can read that and then when i go it's okay i'll just make sure i type it in the thread with you not yeah, yeah not fiddle around because you don't want to send the wrong person that they'll be like what do you mean it's okay <laughs> too invasive 
But again, your story is very inspiring. And it, I think also anyone who is ha- having any kind of issue with their family, like remember, just because they're family, that don't always mean anything. No. That it's DNA is just DNA. That does not make a family. No, no, it's exactly. It's bloodline. It's it's good to know if there's something like high cholesterol running in the bloodline. But if they, yeah, if they aren't down to clown, then uh, we don't want them around. So that's a good T-shirt. I like that. I like that. I like that down to clown. That's a good phrase. Isn't that nice? I've I've sort of uh, taken that lately because in it to win it, I don't like. It's too sportsy. Are you a sports? Mama Mia ish. Oh, that's not bad. See, if I think of it that way, totally cool. Very like winner takes it all. I am very <laughs> much imagining you on this. Is the might be the most ADHD episode you've ever done. Thank you very much. Thank, and this is with someone with massive ADHD. So I really appreciate that. I my I almost took it further. I almost took it back to like episode one, the drunk Judy. Oh no! Please do no 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 please. Please do, because when you said that to me, it warmed my heart so much. It, again, brightened my day, as my uh, dearest darling Jasmine often does. So uh, please uh, get into that. And maybe I'll drop one in for old time's sake. Well, somebody, one of my good friends the other day read my Twitter bio and was like, I am cackling at your Twitter bio because it is still a quote from the drunk Judy Garland tapes from one of your very early whimsically volatile episodes. Because that is where I discovered the Judy Garland tapes, because you and Katia were d- going ham <laughs> on the ADHD in those early episodes, because it is like a fever dream, because you are like just ping pong balling <laughs> off the wall. It's my favorite thing. It's the, like, I, those episodes are like comfort episodes for me, because it's, it's like, that is how fast my brain goes. You know, there's a lot of benefits to it. There are a couple problems, not going to lie, but just like any organization or, um, gift there's uh you know what if you could name one thing before we get back to the joys of it if you can think of one thing that is a benefit like i could i i guess i have a guess in my mind but i want you to speak for yourself (laughs) um the uh of of a downside of adhd and then we'll get into the good stuff oh my two downsides are bills and laundry oh my god me too and I got a side order of uh, RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, which I'm trying to man- I'm trying to manage. But you know when you go, is it A or is it B? It's like when they do the eye test, and and you're like, okay, this is a distorted view, and then, and then it flips, and you go, no, no, I'm right, I'm right, and I'm always right about this kind of, and then flips, and you go, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then you walk out with the wrong glasses because you didn't, yeah. Yeah, and you're too responsible. For the end result of that, I don't like that. I don't want to have a say in it. If they could take a blood test, great. Yeah, just tell me what's wrong with my eyes. Don't make me pick what's wrong with my eyes. Yeah, I didn't go to school for this. You did. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let yeah. you do that at the doctor's, at the psych office when you're like, oh, you know what I need? I need like uh, uh, the bars of Xanax and I also need this. <laughs> okay, but they are increasingly so letting you do that. Really? That's a conversation that I have been having a lot this last week like this invention of online we don't have to get on this topic that was no 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 no. don't get self-conscious because adhd also uh, sometimes you get self-conscious and like don't i i promise pr director and me getting self uh okay all right fair enough it's got to be an acronym it's pr or adhd i can't take down the online counseling system in this podcast oh i get it it's like wait a second it's 
similar thing online talk therapists you know diagnosing things like autism adhd maybe we shouldn't have online talk therapists diagnosing things but that's you know well listen it's a very understandable opinion and better help is not supporting this episode though they've uh, apparently i don't know how they got so much money that it's like well i guess i do because everyone's like ah during the pandemic and they're like i need and help diagnose anything they'll be like yes you have autism and you know it, it so uh, Ada's is autistic and in the last five years or maybe three years th- it's been a blessing that there's been so many people on tiktok especially uh very very uh pretty women like yourself saying um Hey, look, I'm autistic, but no one believes me because, right. you know, I don't look like Rain Man or whatever trope would be associated with it, which is, you know, not that Dustin Hoffman is uh, someone terrible to look like, but I, I mean, Benjamin. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Benjamin Braddock. Come on. He got yeah. Mrs. Robinson. So, um, but that stuff is so true. And the, the, also the miss or underdiagnosing of women in particular with it, uh, if they have ADHD, oh, she's got anxiety. Uh, well, it's so many of those diagnoses in the DSM were based on clinical tests that were only done on men or primarily done on men. So the okay. way that symptoms present, they don't, those are based on the way that symptoms present in men. And representation is great. And I think that better help and things like that can say, oh, yeah. Okay, so you're seeing signs of this in yourself. But the issue is like people on TikTok, representation matters. Absolutely. That is the thing. That is so important. But what's happening is people are going, I think I have autism. And fucking life coaches on BetterHelp who are not licensed therapists are going, Yes, you're absolutely right. You have autism. Go to the doctor and get a proper diagnosis because that is a serious diagnosis that you then have to learn coping skills for yes absolutely and then if that's the thing i was just telling a relative this the other day and i said okay so because you know they know i I got diagnosed bipolar um last december you know for christmas um and and what's up Merry christmas thank you very much thank you uh do you celebrate christmas or hanukkah or both uh, well, it depends on uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, my best friend's family, my godson's family's Jewish. So we kind of do both. Yeah, we, we do as well. It is Jewish. I'm uh, not I'm, I'm agnostic or atheist, or but, but was raised. I, it wouldn't even matter because I love the pomp and circumstance of Christmas. There's a lot of shiny things. Yeah, I mean, we decorate a Christmas tree and watch Charlie Brown and get drunk. Does that count? It, it, that's it. That's that's the Lord's uh, intention. And that's what what, what they wanted. Because I don't want to gender the Lord, um, right? And uh, representation matters. And uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things that Chrissy Chapeka ever said was like, "Come on, everyone. We all know that Jesus was gay." <laughs> and we went down, and we were we were like, "I was like, yeah, you know, you know what? He never married." You know, it was like all those 50s, 60s tropes of it. Did wear a lot of dresses. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Flowing robes very manicured hairstyle in an era where it wasn't easy to maintain but the uh the the hair was never frizzy no it was perfect and as as we know it it was very caucasian right because we see all the pictures (laughs) so (laughs) so um it'd be great if they had a photo uh, not a photo Uh, it'd be great if they had a photo from back then they'd be like wow 
amazing guys it really would that'd be a fun time machine thing oh and speaking of time machine i'm going to get back to what i was starting to say um the uh, diagnostic thing it's so essential that people go to a psychiatrist and right and not and i have to point this out all the time not a psychologist or your gp in the uh, the uk version of pcp which that's a funny acronym anyway because it means two things here or anywhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I went and got some help from PCP. Um, okay, Sublime. <laughs> wow, you just named one of my least favorite bands. So thank you. I'm glad you thought of me. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a Sublime fan. I just I just clocked that. I'm from Orange County. Of course I'm a Sublime fan. <laughs> okay, you're right. Okay, I'm from Massachusetts. Okay, Jay Giles, Aerosmith. I understand. If you said Jay Giles band, they always suck. They'd be like, what are you saying? <laughs> Come on, woofa goofa. It doesn't matter if their music sucks. You you have to support them. You have to. When I was a little kid, and I I liked Aerosmith anyway, but then I was like, they're from around here. It was like, oh my, it was such an inspiration. It was like, yeah. It, some people go, yeah, they were really a New Hampshire band. I'd be like, shut up, that's close enough. They're a Boston band. <laughs> but the psychiatrist thing, I, I uh, like I said, a relative was like, I'm trying to figure out if I have this or this. And my bipolar diagnosis was helpful to them because they were like, oh, because bipolar runs in the family, like a lot of things. But as I tried to point out to them, I said, listen, uh, high blood pressure, all this, it runs in the family. So it's not any different than that, no matter what, because there's still a stigma. People go, hey, man, we understand mental health. Mm, Be careful, everybody. Uh, Pick and choose. So um, to that, with the online thing, which reaffirmed it i was because i was looking at like when you're trying to figure out if you're bipolar and it's the pandemic you're like which acronym so bpd is it that like what's that you know like you're looking at all these different things and something i recommend no one ever does is do not tell a counselor i think i have fill in the blank just describe what's going on because if they're lazy they're gonna go oh yeah that's a sign of this of that so you got to get a psychiatrist who will almost be like you in in those states where you got to knock people into shape. He'll be he'll be like, I don't know, why do you think that? That's completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like my so I I have an adopted sister who was having a lot of. She was crying every day, and she couldn't get out of bed, and she had no energy, and it was just this sudden hopelessness. And she kept saying, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. And I suffer from major depressive disorder. My mother has it. My mother also has borderline personality disorder. My mother started being hospitalized when she was 16 years old. Um, You know, it's something where we've all gone through testing. We've all gone through therapy to go, do we have BPD? Because when you are raised around somebody and thank god i wasn't really raised around her who has bpd the first question is oh my god do i have bpd um and so my sister went through this whole like what the fuck is happening i'm so depressed i'm suicidal and this and that and she was shocked when a psychiatrist said you're bipolar and it's so interesting because when i was a teenager and i was being abused i was physically abused i was there was a lot of different abuse happening in my life. So like, I'm very you know, sorry to hear that. And I, I know it's people go, well, I was not, I, I just, I, you know, I can't help myself. I, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. It's one of those things is, you know, it's, yeah, I've heard Trixie talk about it 
publicly a lot. It's yeah. kind of, you know, it's one of those things I was taken. I was, I lived with my grandparents. I was very blessed to have very loving grandparents. I have a very wonderful life now. I'm very happy. Um, but I did go through those things and I had, you know, my mom was, I was in the midst of, of this tremendous abuse and my mom was like, well, why is she so upset all the time? And so she was like taking me to these doctors and trying to figure out if I was like bipolar or this or that. And I remember being a teenager and having those mental diseases have so much stigma. Yeah. And it's so interesting to like compare when I was going through testing when I was 16 versus when my sister was diagnosed two years ago and see how much the stigma has changed. There's still stigma, but to have bipolar be treated as something that is a genuine uh, um, uh, understandable or um, like yeah. I think of, uh, chemical imbalance is what yes. I'm thinking. Yes. The way that depression was treated as a chemical imbalance, you know, 20 years ago. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how much it's improved and how much more we have to continue to improve because it's just a chemical imbalance. It's like having a broken arm or having an autoimmune disease or, you know, this, that, the next thing. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's diabetes yeah. in, uh, or something. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's diabetes of the brain. Yeah, it is. It is. And funnily enough, when I, I I'm still trying to figure out if it's, I think I had a hypomanic episode cause I'm on Lamactyl which um, it, the main thing is it, it buffers you from the depressive agitation. And I had like the grand mal episode last year, which of course was not a great time, but I'm thankful for it because also Ada was there to witness it and she, five months pregnant. That must've been a relief to her. Um, but you know, but she understood. And there was a, it, it was so intense once that I said, uh, I said, uh, or maybe she just, she, uh, touched my arm. She goes, your body temperature is like really high. I said, I know it, it, this is all part of the, and so I, I've talked a couple times about on the show about enjoying ketamine. What I didn't realize is that, and now it's funny, but it, it, like, I'm happy to see that, like, I wasn't totally just insane. Maybe some would say, yes, I was, but, uh, uh in different, uh, in a different way, uh, for different yeah. reasons, but the using the K uh, was self-medicating and and I'd like to think a fairly adroit way because they use that for treatment now for resistant treatment uh, treatment resistant um, depression and so now I'd like to I sort of like to say to everyone like yeah it's fine if you're using it as a party drug and stuff and I'm not dismissing that to anyone or or, or preachy or anything but uh, if you find that you're leaning on it or anything really like it, just get checked out. Because my relative yeah. said when when's a good time do you think to go see a doctor I said. You just said it. You're wondering about it. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now is the time. And go to a psychiatrist. What's that? Go to a psychiatrist. Oh, go to sorry. a psychiatrist. Like. Yeah. And let's explain to the folks who still might not understand because I don't think, I don't know if we defined it. Psychologists are not medical doctors. And a psychiatrist, although they're, they're you know, psychologists, there's plenty of great ones. That's for after, that's for talking the uh and there's many brilliant ones the uh, but again life coaches just be careful like if you're talking about trying to get better at your job great if you're trying to talk about oh I, i'd really like to really work out as much as i want to life coach great um incidentally i know a couple people who are really dysfunctional who then i see on facebook are life coaches and i'm like Ooh. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> it's wild. And you can't, you're just like, okay, well, God bless. I'm like, oof. Um, the psychiatrist is, uh, as we know, but for anyone who doesn't, they're not just medical doctors. They are, they are totally uh, skilled in the art and they've gone through intensive training for all of the psychological aspects. So they, they also are better equipped to say uh, a chemical imbalance or this or that. Incidentally, my relative was like, well, they've given me Prozac. And I said, who's they? Because if I, I don't want to give you useless information if you're already seeing a psychiatrist, okay. and all this stuff was delivered during the modern with the modern convenience of voice notes, so that that I'm good with, but don't no pictures. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I, I said, wait, wait. So who? But who gave you the Prozac? Oh my my PCP. And I was like, okay, no, 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 no. Because if if you are bipolar, that actually can activate it. That I mean, like that can set it off. Like wow, and. Which you know, I think there's so many so many misprescribed situations. So, for now, you said you were off your meds. I don't know if you were joking or do you take ADHD meds? If you don't mind me asking, I do. So I don't take um I don't take a stimulant because I meth head mom. <laughs> <laughs> MHM as they call it in the MHM, business. Yeah, MHM. <laughs> MHM. She leaves a lasting impression. Um, so I, I was on Stratera and it kind of, um, it made me really, really sick. It made me really sick to my stomach. So now I am on Wellbutrin. I'm on a very high dose of Wellbutrin to kind of like, kind of even it out. And it's not the best, as you can see from this episode. I'm so sorry for everyone who listened to this. <laughs> I have no excuse. I'm supposedly properly medicated. So, I mean, you know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> We're still on the ADHD journey. We're still on the ADHD journey. Yeah, that's and that's that's a tricky one with not using stimulant medication. And of course, I can only base it on my own experience. And also for the for what I understand to be the very small number of options of non-stimulant medication. It, it what is it's Stratera basically, right? Yeah. Well, and my doctor has repeatedly tried to explain this to me, as has my adopted father, who is also a doctor. Um that like it's not going to work the same way in my brain it took me a year and a half for me to even accept that i had adhd because i'm i might i'm a little bit stubborn <laughs> which and is good in many ways right because you were like listen a lot of people have very dysfunctional families or a similar history with their family as you do but they feel this obligation which sometimes a lot of times stubbornness is a good thing and like being a, a devoutly um self-protective and self-advocating. So it's one of those things like ADHD. There's pluses. There's a couple minuses maybe, but. So we're, I don't know. I may try a stimulant. Um, the Wellbutrin, it kind of it kind of works. Um, it kind of doesn't. So and, we'll my, and my question on that, or my feeling on it, but again, I'm not a doctor though. I, sometimes, I play one on uh, uh, Zoom sometimes. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that uh, for me, that's exactly the the deal with the, uh, the stimulant stuff. Like when I first had it, I was like, it, not like bug died, even though that's what I just did. But it was like, uh, <sighs> like a relief thing. And again, not that I know that much about a BPD and like whatever the cross section that your biological mom had. But there is a high incidence, from what I understand, uh, f with the cross-section of things that she had of self-medicating slash 
substance abuse, particularly in that era too, because no one really, I don't think that many people knew uh, the particulars. My grandmother, back when they called it manic depression uh, or manic depressive disorder, uh, which is kind of fun in a way like that name, but bipolar is a lot better, uh, that she got ECT treatment, you know, the electroshock thing. So did my mom. Oh my God. My mother at the age of 16. The oh, age of 16. Jesus, at 16? That is... I mean, in a lot of ways, she was a victim. It was, I mean, it was the, the mental health ecosystem was not great back then. No, it wasn't. I mean, even if they would sort of acknowledge it, yeah. the treatment, again, it was like anyone who's seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it's not that far away from no. what you see in that movie. Yeah, and like what we talked about, so if you've seen it, what happens to Jack Nicholson at the end, not fully because they had a different intention in that, but the mechanism is what they put the bit in your mouth and all this. The only, like some people like Carrie Fisher swore by it because she suffered so badly from the depressive aspect. And she had, I bet she would tr uh, probably have done the ketamine treatment. She probably, I mean, you know, she had a lot of stuff in her system when she passed. But, and that's another thing I think that hopefully, I think the compassion level for people with substances. And I know we were talking about almost in a, in a cheeky way about that, but earlier, but it's really more of a, like, I don't, I don't know if occupational hazard would be something you would say about that in the, your former industry, I guess in show business in general, but I also feel that it's just because people know more about celebrities that it becomes the, the, the notion persists that, oh, rock and rollers, whatever, they're just like, kind of like they love to get high. And there's a lot of substance abuse in every stream of life. There is, uh, and it's it's glamorized in rock and roll more than anything. But it, I mean, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. It is, and especially with the, uh, uh, what's the word? Pr productivity culture. Oh yeah. I mean, well, yeah. It's interesting to me because it was I was so intolerant to it because of my upbringing and my my past with it and my history and my own hurts that going into the industry that I'm in and dealing with people who were in various stages of abuse and recovery taught me how to have compassion and tolerance and treat people like human beings again and how to have compassion for the people in my own life who suffered substance abuse because there was a point in my life where i absolutely did not 100 percent did not view my mother as a human being because i couldn't and so being in that industry was what taught me how to almost be a human being myself again by relearning that empathy and forgiveness and all of those things through having clients who were dealing with abuse and recovery and who are still, I still have clients who are dealing with abuse and recovery in different stages. Sure. As well as I do. Yeah. That, different. Exactly. Because the thing about abuse or any, any issue is that like, like I have uh, still traces of an eating disorder. Because I always feel that once you have it, 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 it uh, to, to quote uh, or to paraphrase Eddie Murphy, that shit's like luggage. That's with you forever. He was talking yeah, about herpes. Yeah. But 
it's it, eating disorder herpes same thing same right? same thing one's on your face one's in your head um so but it's circle it centers around the mouth uh, but sort of so um so it's always there and I, yeah it's exactly you know it's, <laughs> the mouth's involved so uh um <laughs> But it's stuff like that's always there and and it can flare up due to life stress or whatever. But uh, I go, oh, that's okay. You're going a little, and that can go in both directions too. I can overeat based on, now I understand that like when I got into a donut jag out of the blue during the pandemic, that was, I was having an episode, you know, and that's, and then when I'm, I'm like, I gotta get donuts. I'm like, let's slow things down a little. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, like, what is addiction? Uh, I mean, it's an illness, yes. But really, if you break it down, it's a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. It's it's a means of escape. It's, and what if, if you look at addiction as a means of escape, because if you look at meth, if you look at cocaine, if you look at what those chemicals do to your brain, they are a means of escape. Means of escape are a coping mechanism coping you know it's, it's well coping mechanisms help people typically to like because there's a thing where it's not it's not even like to feel good and that's not even the trope of like people saying well hey I, it used to be a party and then i just needed it to survive in a little a little bit that's similar but because it's uh the coping mechanism is because you're like i have to present a, a person who is functional to the world uh, around me and so therefore i i can't like i remember being like because i was in london a place i always wanted to go to i just left mike chapman's place a hero f lifetime hero of mine that i'm now friends with and i get into the uber and i'm because i i was afraid of getting lost so i didn't use the tube on my first trip there which is hilarious <laughs> to me now <laughs> by the way if you want to waste some money and not get there fast take an uber in london um uh -huh. <laughs> it's like taking a car in new york <laughs> Oh yeah, exa exactly. It's like, uh, well, I'm glad you want to double your length of trip and price, but um, actually quadruple because the the tube's like a buck. But uh, yeah. and I remember being like really like lacrimose and melancholy, and I was like, what is going on here? And then, but but when it's you, it takes a while to reconcile that with all of the stories you've read that somehow you're drawn to because you're it, it, oh, this story is very interesting. Pete Townsend's story very interesting. Well, and that's Bob Fosse. I'm fascinated with him. And then I watched all that jazz again. And I went, oh my God, he's bipolar. And then, right? And uh, did you have anything like Wait, that? Jagger, though? Oh, one of the best characters in cinematic history. Which one? Sorry, I dropped my headphone for a sec. Kate Jagger. Oh my, Anne yeah. Ranking's character. Wait, say it again. Anne Ranking's character, oh, Kate yes. Jagger. Yeah, no, exactly. Thank you. I, and I'm so sorry I didn't uh, hear that the first time because I'm so thrilled that you are so uh, uh, well-versed in all that jazz, which I didn't, not that I thought you wouldn't be, but that you got Kate Jagger's name like that. And I was like, and it took me, I was like, huh, sorry, because I dropped, the, I was like, Jagger, what? And I was like, yeah, Mick Jagger's cool, but that's not what you're saying. Oh, no, Kate Jagger, Kate Jagger. Well, Anne Ranking is one of my ultimate heroes. She's amazing. And uh, for those not familiar, in addition to being in all that jazz, which if you haven't seen listeners or viewers, don't stop the show right now, but like after the show, go watch it <laughs> <laughs> by whatever means necessary uh, to paraphrase Malcolm X in a totally inappropriate way. Um, the It's one of the greatest films of all time. And if you're a Hedvig fan, that is the number one influence on Hedvig. And when I found that out, I was like, oh, my, of course. 
but it's not obvious. But so, and t- please tell the folks, the fine listeners and viewers, about Anne Reinking, who we know the name. Uh, some of us more than others know about her career because theater people don't get the same kind of um, lifelong notice in the papers or not the papers, but you know what I mean, in the media as they should. Uh, so Anne Ranking was one of Bob Fosse's muses. She was a wonderful, phenomenal jazz dancer. Yeah. Wow. One of my greatest influences. So I started dancing when I was two. I danced until I was 30. Um, so 28 years. And all it got me was the need for two joint replacements. Gotta love it. <laughs> um, but she was a phenomenal jazz dancer. She was in Chicago opposite of B.B. Newworth. She was mm. a phenomenal Broadway star. Um, yeah, she was just, she was amazing. She was, she defined jazz dance, um, defined the Fosse style, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Jagger, which I think is one of the most phenomenal. I'm pissed off that my name is not Kate Jagger. Like if I could choose a stage name, it would be Kate Jagger. It's Such the greatest. Cool. You could start, if you're going to start an Instagram, do it another one, like a Finsta, Kate Jagger. I'm going to start a Finsta and just follow you and just post coach memes. Please do. Please do. And, <laughs> and, and, and listeners, viewers not familiar, go look up, go look up pep talk coach and you'll see what we're talking. Hey, listen, there's going to be a sequel up. People are going to be into it just like the white Lotus, um, which I still haven't seen. And I, someone like I, some feel that that makes me need to re- re- revoke my queer card, but Listen. I haven't watched it, and one of my dearest, closest friends starred in season one, and I. <laughs> and you know she what? will every time she. I'm always like, I love you so much, Connie, and she's like, you haven't watched a single thing I've ever done, and I'm like, look, I watched season one of, of American Horror Story, and I'm scarred for life, so fuck you. <laughs> I really what you're in. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, sometimes things are beyond the pale. Uh, White Lotus, uh, there's some scary stuff apparently, but also good. I don't know. I, I, I'll watch it eventually, probably in a marathon. I'm too busy watching Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives, so. Lisa Vanderpump is, you know, superior to all, so. That's just, what are you going to do? It's Kate Jagger, Lisa Vanderpump, and to close up on all. Oh, you know what? I, I've been wanting to do a movie club on all that jazz for such a long time, but I never could figure out who would be the perfect person to do it with. So if you'd like to do that, I would love to have you on that to discuss it because clearly you have uh, uh, digested and um, absorbed uh, uh, as much stuff from that as possible. And it isn't, isn't it interesting that sometimes when we don't even know what it is about the thing, like, okay, clearly you're a dancer and all that stuff, but the interpersonal dynamics of that and not that this mirrors your life or mine at all, but I, the phrase pimp hand is not great, but like the pimp hand of Bob Fosse to have his three mistresses in the film, not his ex-wife, but like. Outside. I'm going to start using the pimp hand. I don't know in what context I'm going to start using the <laughs> pimp hand of Bob Fosse, but I'm going to start using the pimp hand of Bob Fosse. Isn't it fabulous? Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, um, reaffirming my belief in that thing because you think oh pimp hand maybe that's not right to use it is just like she's the sheriff as we talked about the other day the suzanne summers show because you know what i could say this about you and listen she takes care of business she's in charge she's the sheriff (laughs) oh i adore you craig t nelson (laughs) (laughs) listen uh, coach is so fond of you i I can't even express it you know i uh (laughs) 
<laughs> so, oh yeah, so all that jazz would do that. And um, what I forget what I was going to say. We should do that. Um, yes, next time. I mean, we could do it over Zoom, but I think in person so much fun. When you, do you know when you're going to be? I will fly to LA to do it. So let's see, just... that's, that's the dedication I love. And I love, I look uh, forward very much to seeing it in person. And, um, and also we can watch it together before I love that so much to watch because we both know the movie like by heart and usually people watch the thing before and then make notes and stuff. But like, because we know it, so it's so integ integrated into our person. I find that every viewing of a film like that or to live and die in LA, which I've discovered, I've mentioned more than any other movie and I met every episode practically i went to go check an uh, encore episode in the first five minutes i mentioned it and i was like okay well fair enough wait here there's the there's the poster oh, love it <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna do one on that too but um at some point but anyway uh, yeah we'll watch it together and then uh, i was saying we're so into it's so integrated into us that we'll have f f even fresh thoughts about it based on like you know I saw it when I was 12 and I was like obsessed. And then I don't know. And then I showed it to my mom at Christmas along with Mike's murder. I think you'd like that one. So I haven't seen Mike's murder. Very few people have. I went into it blind at uh, they, <laughs> New Beverly was showing a double feature of James Bridges films. And I was like, they're showing perfect on the big screen. I'm there. And then I was like, oh, Mike's murder. I've always wanted to see that. Don't know what it's about. And I was just blown away so i just did a movie club on that but i'll send you the movie because it's kind of hard to find it's one of those so anyway um but before we right, just I'm gonna look at my calendar and see when i can come back to la because my co-producer who is gonna murder me for this episode uh, <laughs> do you think you can outrun her until at least after you come here yeah so what i'll do is i'll fly to la film this and then let her kill me it'll be great okay that's it'll cool and, and i'll have your location what's that she loves a plan, so she'll be down for this. It'll be fine. She she can do a gl delayed gratification, and that's one of the things we admire about producers. Yeah, it's fine. She'll be into it. <laughs> well, please tell her uh, hello and say, well, listen, when you kill me, I'm not recommending it, but just maybe consider that it's also his fault. So... <laughs> she'll kill me and then do an episode of the podcast. There you go. There you go. And then uh, I'll do it on Zoom, though, because I know that the, the knives are going to be out. Like, I'm going to go, hey, that was great. Oh, <laughs> it'll be like a murder she wrote. It'll be great. Yeah, which or, I do see behind you. I've been looking at Angela and Madonna. It's been great. Do you want to know? what? The, I got to show you what this other thing is. I changed the record. I'm trying to see it and I cannot. I, my, I contemplated putting my glasses on. This is a film that I have got to send you. It's not Patrick Swayze. I wish it was. This is David Halliday, the son of uh, Johnny Halliday, who some might know, though Francophiles might know, was and is, though he's passed, the Elvis of France. And okay. his son can't really act, can't really speak English that well. But because the Scotty brothers and uh, who, Halliday's wife, Sylvie Vartan, uh, then went on to marry one of the Scotty brothers, the Scotty brothers records. Some say and I'm not saying this cause I don't want any problems. Some say the Scotty brothers were the actually the sons of a major mafia dude who then changed their names to Scotty. So you can imagine the rest. What's that? We love a mafia moment. Don't we though? 
I'm a big fan of them. All the old uh, school entertainers are like, well, when we worked for the mob before these corporations, they they treated us just great. I will, The mob did great things. For they did. Kids, especially in New York. So I'm just saying. They, they did. Like like folks who... Uh, who uh, they ran the majority of our clubs for a long damn time. Exactly. The, uh, the Anvil and like the... I think the Anvil's where they shot a lot of cr- the cruising film. The Anvil or the Ramrod, uh, all that, all those places. The, that place in particular was owned by Maddie the Horse Ionello. And we'd love Matt, uh, the nicknames. And Friedkin was friends with him. I, every time he tells a story, I'm like, what? You're just friends with this guy? Um, but him and Michael Mann were friends with all the cops and the criminals in whatever area they grew up. Actually, they both grew up near each other. Anyway, uh, that's the, even me going, oh, you're going too far down the other thing. So uh yeah <laughs> when that happens it's like we're really far down the, the road but listen if you're still listening folks which i know you are you, you know what the thing is so um yes like you said they ran a lot of the things and in a way they're ignore not ignorance uh their uh their decisions to ignore anything other than the fact that well people want to do this okay uh, well, we'll make money from it. So God bless. I mean, the, the amount of gay clubs that the mafia ran in New York and in major metropolitan areas through from the sixties to the eighties, because they were willing to turn a blind eye was record, like record breaking. Absolutely. And there's no, uh, greater supporter really. And it doesn't, here's the thing. When someone is supporting something, it, it people go, well, yeah, well, what are their motivations? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the end result is better than what would have happened if, um, do you remember Club Q in New York? Q Club? They're like, we're the queer new uh, mega club. We're bringing it back to the city and it's all inclusive. Well, turns out it wasn't. Turns out that one of the main runners was racist, sexually assaulting people. All all the things. All that just blew up like year, year and a half ago, didn't it? It did. Yeah. And I didn't even know that they closed for good because uh, okay. I'm acquaintances. I know Frankie Sharp and, you know, he, through uh, mutual friends, he's always been lovely and he's done a ton of great parties that I've been to. And he was it seemed like this is great because he's the creative director. Now, obviously, he wasn't uh, culpable for any of that stuff when he found out what was going on. He then found out he was also being screwed contractually and sort of secret anyone anyone who's interested in anything like this go read the last party by anthony hayden guest and it's all it rinse and repeat this stuff for the most part and matter of fact steve rubella and ian schrager were the most ethical <laughs> of many of them because they just they just hid money from the government and who didn't want to do that and they gave coke away like that they're great so uh yeah that whole thing just blew up and i didn't even know they closed until i looked it up i was telling a friend about this and i was like well good because a lot of places like that, they screw over the the community, but because they've established the name already, people just go, "Oh yeah, that pl- I know that that's a good place to go to." Yeah, it is not. They were not. They were not supportive of femme presenting. They were not for, uh, much less trans people. You know what I mean? Like they were just terrible. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> And uh, something that looks like it might be not supportive of the community is actually strangely, not strangely, but it's its um, actually very uh, pro, uh, what's the word, forward thinking. So this made uh, 1988, and this is T.K. Carter, uh, who was in Dr. Detroit. He was in um, a whole bunch of stuff that I can't remember right now. But 
the premise of this is that there's some contest in like an MTV type thing. And, oh, he was in The Thing. He was in The Thing. So uh, this guy is a pop singer, writer. The songs are negligible, uh, but um, he wins a contest to come to LA, you know, get the record deal and all that stuff. And he can take one person. The catch is he's supposed to bring his girlfriend. Now, Reggie is the guy, he's like the Andrew Ridgely. He's making it sure that this guy is on on the okay. ball, right? And yeah. so, uh, so we got to find a solution. I know. And he shows up in drag. He's like, honey, we're going to the, and he does, he's like a Meshack Taylor performance. It's, it's campy. It's, it, but it's amazing. It, yeah. And there's a transformation. I'll send it to you. It's wild. It's yeah, wild. Too. And it's before too. we go, I have to say on that tour that I was talking about, one of the, the players in the band, it was, the, the headliner was Elton John. And, um, I'm thankful I got to see him 13 times because he's not playing anymore, I'm but devastated that I will never see him. I'm so sad. I'll never oh, see did him. you never get to see him? Yeah. <laughs> you know what though? I bet I got, I just have a feeling he's going to do that thing where like every once in a while, there'll be like two nights. Yeah. Vegas. Maybe. I mean, he did that already, but there'll be something cause he's such a performer, but his synth player is in the movie and worked on the album. So when I, cause we were looking, we were like, he produced that. Why can't Tori read Tori Amos album or part of it? So we were, I was like, I got obsessed. I was like, wow, what else has Kim been on? Why wow, he's been on cheap trick records. He's been, and then coming at a catering one day, I said, Kim, he's my girl. And he doubled over. He's like, how do you know about, how do you know about that movie? <laughs> so anyway, I, I have such an affinity for French films. Have you ever heard of the actress Fanny Ardant? I've heard the name, but I don't know. And you know, what would be nice getting some recommendations from you because as cinephile oriented as I am, I don't know a lot of French films. I will send you some. She has some excellent, excellent, excellent films. And she and Catherine Deneuve have been in a feud for like <coughs> longer than we've both been alive because they were both in love with the same director. It's which one? Sorry, is... which director? Francois Truffaut. Oh my God. Right, 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 right. I love, listen, I appreciate the slight indignance when you were like, who do you think? <laughs> right, get it together. I know, listen, uh, you're, you're right. You're right. You, that'd be like, what was that car chase movie William Friedkin made? I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they did the movie uh, Creed Farm and they made out. And that is what ended their feud. Making oh my, out. Oh Making my, out. This Listen, making out will solve a lot of problems. Okay. Yeah, they this fought is... over this man for like 35 years and then they just made out about it and now they're fine. I'm a, there's a whole other discussion we could have about the, 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 the monogamy thing being a real problem, a, a, a pox upon <laughs> the humankind. <laughs> uh, that is beautiful. I look forward to all the uh, the French films that you'll be recommending to me. There, I think there's one playing at New Beverly. The, the, what's great is their August calendar. I don't know most of the titles. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to a couple because I don't know what they are. Um, I can't wait till I move to back to Los Angeles next year. And then this is what we're going to do. You're moving back? This is fantastic. Back 2024. I'll be there. Fantastic. And listen, I really uh, keep me updated abreast of the situation when you're coming back and we're going to have a fabulous time. All right. Next time we meet, we will do Bob Fosse. Fantastic. And I look forward to our communications in between. And this has been just fabulous, Jasmine. And I'm so happy that we did it. I am so sorry for your listeners. <laughs>
<laughs> I kind of am, but I like to be cruel to them sometimes. You know what I mean? Just, uh, like you, you got to crack them. You got to crack the whip sometimes. Like, hey, listen. Fine. My talent will be back next week and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, look forward to that, folks. It's going to be a, a hot time, just like this was. All right. All right, dear. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. My, I, I love the phrase because it's true. Thank you, my dearest darling, Jasmine. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends to get these episodes well in advance, ad-free and completely uncut, and plus a lot of other bonus options. So go over there now to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, check out the options, support the show, and set yourself free.